The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. This episode is brought to you by TweakedAudio.com. Get headphones, earbuds, and accessories from TweakedAudio.com. Just enter the discount code CAFCOMICS, that's all one word at the checkout. You'll get 33% off your entire order, free worldwide shipping, and a limited lifetime warranty on everything you buy. That's TweakedAudio.com. And now... It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts, John and Steven. Thank you, it's Caffeinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. With me, mostly always, is my co-host, Stephen Brown. And this week, there's a couple of little news stories we can talk about, but uh, first, I want to take a moment of silence in yeah. memoriam yeah. for the Marvel Legends Black Knight figure that Stephen <laughs> just broke. It's, it breaks my heart. I feel terrible. <laughs> I... And, you, and you did that perfect little kid thing. Where uh, I was looking at another figure and you said, is this supposed to happen? Yeah. I was like, what, his leg is supposed to break in half? No. Well, sometimes like the little arms come out, the little hands, and they just kind of click back in. But this is yeah, a Yeah, he's break, not a Build-A figure. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't a Build-A Black Knight. I don't think people uh, would be like, ah, I'm going to have to buy three more figures to build this Black Knight. They yeah, <laughs> right, he's still I feel heartbreaked because I love that figure. He's well, so cool. I, well, that's, I'll buy another one. Uh, uh, and he he also came with like the the helmet of the villain, the villain version. From yeah, the, the Masters Rage. of Evil. Black yeah, Knight. so I might glue his. Did leg he come with and... a lance? Mm, yes, we'll see. Yes, maybe because that the evil Black the Knight the Dread had a Knight lance. did. I have a I have a San oh, Diego exclusive that, Dread Knight. Yeah, I'm glad you have a Dread Knight. I'm glad there is a Dread Knight. Actually, As he's figures. basically Black Knight with a different head. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Once they did like the chainmail armor, it's like everyone got it. They yeah. did Hobgoblin in it, Green Goblin. In well, it. that's what it was. They made it for Green Goblin. Yeah, and then they were like, "Who else who, has who, everyone chainmail? else who has who's still wearing chainmail? This yeah. thousand year old armor, especially chainmail with a tunic on the chest." Yeah, that was really big in the 60s for a while. A lot of folks were doing that. A lot of folks were wearing a lot of tunics. Yeah. It was big. I just, a good wa- look. I just watched an episode of The Monkees, and those guys were running around in kind of tunic-type shirts. Yeah. Because uh, Peter Tork of The Monkees passed, passed away. away. Yeah. So I, um, you cannot find The Monkees. I believe it's on MeTV, uh, one of those like upper channels, but no one is selling it right now. You cannot find it on Netflix or Hulu or even iTunes. What do you mean you can't find it? Nobody, nobody has the series for purchase. No one is streaming oh. it right now. So you have to actually like wait it's and weird. watch it. It's well, weird. You know, it's like somebody will get it at some point. Right. Yeah. Soon. I mean, because I think it's like anytime something seems to be in the news, it seems to be streaming. You know, it's like if, uh, if a movie comes out. Then they put all the things that are vaguely kind of related to that thing on Netflix, right. it seems. Well, it always happens. I remember when I was a, a kid, when the Tim Burton Batman came out, all of a sudden the Adam West show, which hadn't been on in like 10 years. Everyone was It was on it. all the time, and I started taping them. Yeah, because we the, did when we were kids. We had all the tapes for it, because so we, we were watching it. Yeah, the, uh, la- the last time it had aired, there were no VCRs. Yeah. So I was, I was astonished, because I had just... This was post Dark Knight Returns, so I just gotten super back into Batman. Yeah, and just to be able to see those again, and they just ran them all the time, and then a year or so later they were gone. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah, it's you know nothing stays forever. I mean, Hulu and Netflix drop stuff all the time. Yeah, uh, we were gonna watch. Uh, Hulu has a weird thing with some old shows where they don't they don't have the whole series. I think that's really frustrating if it's like, uh, what? how does that work on like the negotiating end? Like, hey, you can only have 12 episodes, but there's 72. Yeah, you get 12. Yeah, I don't know, because they have like Taxi and The Odd Couple. There's like, they're like, season four is three episodes long. I'm like, no, it wasn't. It yeah. was in the 70s when they made 30 of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the thing about streaming is now everybody's so into streaming that that's why I buy stuff. It's like, do I trust that you're going to have it? always and right when you want it. it yeah it's like i keep looking at star trek the next generation i'm like yes this is a show i will always want to watch but right now it's on cbs and it's on netflix and i believe it's on amazon prime right it's on like a bunch of streaming sites but, but i don't how tr- long for how long? i think cbs is gonna keep are them. you uh are you excited that they're uh picard's coming back yes i am yeah uh, i'm excited because patrick stewart is still so good yeah like he, if I, it was kind of if he was sort of like 
Um, not to point fingers, but if the show was about Riker coming back, I'd be like, huh. <laughs> yeah, you'd be a little bit more hesitant. Yeah, I'd be is like, Riker going to be in it? Um, they haven't announced anything. My guess is that Jonathan Frakes is probably going to direct some of them because he's been directing Discovery. Oh, that's right. He became a big TV director because mm-hmm. he uh, he started on Next Generation. He asked he asked Rick Berman. He's like, I'd like to learn how to direct. Can I direct an episode? And it went well. And he did probably about ten of them. And they kept him around. Yeah. So he did a bunch of Deep Space Nines and Voyagers and Enterprise. And that's like long after he's off the show. Yeah. And he directed two of the movies. Yeah. And he directed a re- he directed First Contact, which mm-hmm. is the best of those. And then Insurrection, which was kind of okay. And then I think he did a kids movie. And then uh, his feature career was kind of over, and he went back. I, I heard he did a lot of Castle. Like he's one of those guys that directs a lot of our dramas. Yeah. So I I would be stunned if he doesn't direct a couple of episodes. Right. Just because he and Patrick Stewart get along so well. Yeah. That he would trust him there. And I really think everyone from Next Generation is going to have a cameo in different episodes. Yeah, I think you. Uh, I don't know anything about Next Generation. You know, I never really got into it. But I think um, uh, if you're going to bring something like that back after so many years, you kind of you have to do it. There's like a checklist. You yeah. know, you got to go down, and the checklist is going to be like. Uh, bring Whoopi Goldberg back, you know, have her do a, where's her character now? Right. You know what I mean? People and that's what's going to be interesting about it. I think um, Patrick Stewart is in a point in his career where he doesn't have to do it. That's the thing. That, yeah. That's the thing. Well, it's, that's what's really encouraging. It's not like his star is fading in any way. Right. So he said. Uh, he was done with the character and then he read the pitch and he's yeah, like, and he, oh, And they, okay. they didn't think they sold it to him. They were in the whole pitch and he was like, hmm. And they were like, okay, well, we didn't sell that. And then three days later, he called up and he was like, yeah, no, let's do it. Yeah. So I think there's something in there, whatever we don't know, is interesting enough to bring him back. And he's still so good and that character is so interesting yeah. that I want to see. Well, in the same way that the original series did Wrath of Khan 20 years later. I love those original series movies. That's really what I grew up on uh, at my age was um, my dad. We saw Star Trek The Motion Picture in the theater. And um, my dad got me to go by saying it was going to be like Star Wars, and I fell asleep. And I believe I've fallen asleep every time I've watched Star Trek The Motion Picture. Yeah. You know, I was it's like, a tradition. At 27, I'm watching the, the DVD when it came out and fell asleep. Yeah. It's boring. And then uh, when Wrath of Khan came out, it was when the theater in my neighborhood, we only had one theater. It was like in a strip mall. It was not a very big screen. But they had bought the store next door and they were expanding and they were like we have two screens this is in 1982 and we all went on opening night and they were showing annie and star trek to the wrath of khan and i'm like and i'm like uh, 10 i'm like i'm not gonna see annie yeah so i saw wrath of khan and i was not prepared for it because i was like i i remembered star trek motion picture and i would see the show you know now and then like it was just on uh, so I knew who all the characters were, and I was not prepared for Spock to die. Yeah. And then uh, that made me a lifelong Star Trek fan. Then, like, I went home and started watching the reruns, and I started really paying attention. By the time Search for Spock came out, I remember, uh, I was, like, 12 by then. I got on my bike and rode to that theater. Yeah. And met my friends. But and that my, one... My dad didn't even come with me. That one sucked. Yeah, it's not great. It's not the worst. Yeah. But it's not great. But, by the, but at that point, I was a big enough Star Trek fan where I'm going. And I had a... I love the original series so much that I had a chip on my shoulder about Next Generation, and it took me a long time to get to like it. Yeah, because I mean, it was so different. Yeah, and the first season's not good. Mm-hmm. So I, I quit, and I didn't come back until I didn't come back till Spock came on, which was to promote Star Trek VI. And then I was like, oh, wow, this show is actually really good. Yeah. And then I, by the time it had ended, I was super into it. But now Patrick Stewart's going to have that same jump that William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy had between... The original series, yeah, and the it's almost kind of like a tradition or something now. You know, yeah. it's like a, it's a cool thing they're doing. I think it's interesting, and I say that as somebody that probably won't watch the new show and won't watch Next Generation. Well, it's you have like, to sign up for it. Yeah, and but it's I, only CBS, it's right? Not like Netflix. But I think the idea is that, like, I was talking to uh, a guy at work about this, is that it feels like something like Next Generation. You hear all this good stuff, but it's supposed to be so good and all this stuff, and it's uh, the concept sounds right up my alley. Like the sci-fi. Here's mm-hmm. what when humanity gets their shit together, you know, is the premise for Star Trek, and uh, it's just like it's like there's too much content out of like modern stuff that I yeah. can't even watch. I don't know that I'll be able to go back and watch something from 20 years ago and Although be like, been... look at the effects, you know? <laughs> yeah, but sometimes it's fun to just lose yourself in an old show. I mean, Ben and I have been doing that with comedy since um, the summer. 
And I cannot even list the shows we've done. We finished Community last night. Yeah. And it was great. And he's he's a very casual sci-fi fan. Um, he loves games, but he's, as far as the movies go, like, when Avengers... I, like, we had a discussion, like, last week. I'm like, do you want to see Avengers Endgame in the theater? Yeah. Do you want to see Captain Marvel in the theater? Maybe. Do you want to see Shazam in the theater? No. Like, he's not going to just go to everything. Right. Uh, he picks and chooses. So I haven't been able to do that with an hour show. Like, he's seen some Twilight Zones and some X-Files and some Star Treks. Nobody in this house likes Star Trek but me. Um, so I can't get anybody to watch it with me. Yeah. But, but, we'll, but it's been fun to stay with a show. Like, we... We just did all six seasons of Community. Before that, we did all seven seasons of 30 Rock. Um, before that, we did all six seasons of Parks and Rec. Yeah. And it's and we um, and then all nine seasons of The Office. Right. So and he's a big comedy kid. He's a big comedy kid. And it's fun to kind of stay with that show. Yeah. And kind of blot everything out else out for a couple of weeks. Now we're talking about doing Seinfeld. Yeah. We're, we might we might do Seinfeld from beginning to end because he, he really likes doing these long shows that are – a hundred, hundred fifty episodes long. Yeah, and uh, I've been saying let's do the IT crowd. It's twenty five episodes, and we've seen enough of them. And mostly, I'm picking shows that I know he's seen and he's liked, but I know he hasn't seen all of them. Right. And he's like, yeah, we it's won't. interesting that he. It, to me, it seems really interesting. Community, Parks and Rec, Office. That'll make sense. It's interesting that he wants to go watch Seinfeld because Seinfeld is in like a different world from him. It is. You know it what isn't, I mean? But it's still it's still relevant and it's still funny. Right. And, He's always liked it when it's been on. Yeah. And he likes Curb Your Enthusiasm as well. And right. I have gotten into trouble with that because it's very much an HBO show. Yeah. And there's there's been a few episodes where I'm like, oh, this one's fun. This is about Larry losing a basketball. And then the subplot is the like... The subplot is like Jeff banging a prostitute <laughs> yeah. in their laundry room. And, and, and my wife's like, why are you letting him watch this? I'm like, because the scene where he argues with the sporting goods star guy about <laughs> the basketball is hilarious. Yeah. Like there was one like that where he was arguing with the the dean uh, from Community was like uh, a concierge in a hotel, and he was arguing with him about where the cook whether the free cookies in the lobby were like store bought or uh, or fresh freshly baked. Yeah, and it was hilarious. But then there's another scene where like he has angry sex with like a with an anti-Semitic woman. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, so, so that's been a little. It's a minefield. <laughs> it's been a little iffy. Yeah, but we do trouble. love binge watching these shows, and I wish I could get him into things like Star Trek. Um, yeah, I know you when you used to run the store and the and the screen would be on. You used to say that it was easier to watch it twenty was. episodes of a comedy than ten episodes of a drama. Yeah, I did. I find comedy a lot easier to kind of put on because it's like a good example. A show I did like that I went back to watch is Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, I don't know. If, have you watched that? Uh, I watched it twice. Oh, okay. Yeah. And a buddy of mine uh, had always he's like, "You got to watch this show. It's awesome." And I put it off, and I put it off, and I put it off, and then it was on Netflix when I was at the show or at the shop, and I was watching it. And I was like, I got super into it. But then when the shop gets busy, you know, we have like lulls during the day, and you have busy right. time during the day. When it gets busy, you kind of lose the thread of what's going on in the sci-fi or serious show you're watching but it doesn't matter if you do that in comedy i don't have to pay attention you miss more jokes right that's what you miss. exactly and it's like i don't have to pay attention to 30 rock in the store when i was watching it all the time because mm -hmm. it's like it's funny but it's like i don't have to like con con you're uh, not gonna get lost yeah i'm not gonna get lost the characters are always the same it's like what shenanigans is tracy morgan up to it's like it's it's very easy show to follow yeah you're you like you look up and it's like oh they found kenneth in the bathroom right it's like but, that's was the whole plot yeah but then it's like i'm watching battlestar galactica and they reveal a character as a robot and then i'm like wait who's a fucking robot in this show <laughs> and it's like i get lost and now it's been so long, I don't remember most of yeah. it, so I'd have to go back from the beginning to watch it. And, and I hate to say it, but the second time I watched it, it didn't hold up as well. Well, I know and I also felt that way about, patch, about but I heard it ends really good. And the ending's okay. It yeah. never quite those. It never quite gets back to as good as it was in the first two seasons. Yeah, like it's one of those. There's only four seasons. The first two seasons are amazing. The third season is bad. And then the fourth season is like slowly coming back, but never quite comes back. Yeah. See, I think I I. I don't think I made it through the third season because I think it was at a time where I was getting distracted at work. Like I couldn't pay attention to it. Right. Because right? I was at a job. And uh, and then it wasn't as great as the first two seasons. So it's like all the right, the wrong pieces were together to force me out yeah. of it, you know? Yeah. Um, but spe speaking of sci-fi, do you think you say you're not going to go back to the Picard show, but 
would if if you didn't have to sign up for a separate streaming service? Oh, like would I watch are it you, if I had? No, access are to you it? interested in Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone? Oh yeah, uh, there's yes a trailer no. out this week. Yeah, see, I didn't see the trailer. I'm a really big fan of Jordan Peele. Without seeing a lot of stuff Jordan Peele does, I like enjoy the fact that this guy can just nail all these different genres. Yeah, because I think going from comedy to horror, I think that's like to be able to do that and be very successful at it is crazy. Because he did that Get Out movie that everyone went mm-hmm. bananas for. Get Out is incredible. It's got a sequel. No, he's doing another film. Okay, it's, but it's not a sequel to Get Get Out. I think it's called Us. The trailer of that is terrifying. And I don't. I'm not a big like horror fan, so I don't want to see either of those movies. But it's like all the right people are saying the right things about yeah. both uh, anything that guy does. And well, you know, interesting. Key and Peele was really great. When you go back to Key and Peele, you realize whenever they did a Halloween episode, they always went all out. Yeah. And I remember like some of the Halloween episodes are terrifying, and it's because Jordan was always a horror fanatic. Yeah. And so he got it right in the same way that like you and I are like comic fanatics, you know, um, that we get all the nuances right. Actually reminds me of, I don't know if you ever saw this, but since I was watching The Monkees today, uh, I remember uh, Ben Stiller had a sketch show on Fox in the early 90s and uh, Bob Odenkirk was on it, David Cross, Janine Garofalo was yeah. like, Andy Dick was like that, that whole 90s, Judd Apatow was a writer. It was like all these guys that went on to huge things, but they did this sketch show, it lasted 13 episodes and it was out. Um, I have that on uh, iTunes. Actually, it's it's incredible. They did a sketch. Uh, they did a parody sketch of the Monkees called the Grungies because they made it in like '92. Yeah, and but it was pitch perfect to the show of the Monkees, where it was like little details that you didn't realize you picked up on in the show. They right. had nailed, and like Jordan's doing that with horror because they would do sketches about vampires. The Walking Dead. They did a Walking Dead sketch where it was all um. It was all like, uh, I don't know if you saw this, where Key and Peele play extras as zombies, but uh, I don't think I've seen this. Jordan won't stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> like every time the zombies come up, Jordan's like, hey man, what's going on? <laughs> and they're like, cut. Yeah. Um, but it's exactly like The Walking Dead. Because right. Because he- He's such a big fan. He's hyper-focused on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, good for him. I'm like always super uh, glad when it's like guys that are like, I, you know, it, it's, uh, I didn't think- the key and peel i thought that was really a funny show but it's like you rarely i i feel particularly like you rarely see people that are really talented and really good get to kind of expand and people accept them doing other things outside of their breakout genre you know he breaks out in comedy and now it's like he can do horror and now he's doing the twilight zone yep and everyone's like losing their mind and he's gonna be hosting it because because get out worked so well in the trailer. And he, it's like he's not playing it like funny. And I guess it's like hard to picture him not being funny because it's like he's such a goofy guy. And But the there Peele is a says. moment in the trailer, and I know you haven't seen it yet. It, it's mostly like quick clips. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to be an anthology show the way the original Twilight Zone was. Yeah. So it's a lot of tone. And then it's like, oh, Adam Scott's going to be in one. Camille Nanjiani's going to be in one. Uh, Tracy Morgan's going to be in one. And like quick flashes of them. But at the very, very end, you see Jordan Peele like – Looking like Rod Serling, like yeah. dressed as Rod, in, like, Rod Serling, suit. and you don't laugh. You just, yeah. like, you just like, oh, yeah. He managed to reinvent himself. The one thing, the one thing that makes me sad about it is that we're probably going to get a lot less of Key and Peele. I mean, oh, sure. Yeah. And Keegan's always working. I see him like he doesn't have his own show now, but he, I feel like he does guest spots in everything. Yeah, like uh, whether it's voiceover. Although they're both going to be in Toy Story Four. They're making a fourth Toy Story movie. Yeah, the trailer for that is the third one was kind of like just being like, this is, we're done with, this is it. Yeah, but I thought the second one was too. Yeah. Um, They're making a fourth one and they haven't made a bad one yet, but there's a trailer that's just Key and Peele as toys. Who, what kind of toys are they? Oh, I forget. I'm going to have to, I'll have to look that up and I'll post it again. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's basically just the teaser trailer. Yeah. But it's the two of them. Okay, that's cool. I mean, in the way that uh, the two of them did a Rick and Morty. So I think... I Wait, think, who were they in Rick and Morty? Were they the... They were the time... The, the scrotums? The time police, yes. The yeah, scrotum yeah. Police. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Um, and they beat up Albert Einstein at the end. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I just rewatched that episode. That show's uh, so smart. I know. There's 70 episodes coming someday. Someday. Yeah, it's worth waiting for. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, in fact, the last episode of Community, uh, last episode of Community is genius because um, the premise—it's not really a spoiler—but uh, it ran six seasons, and the premise is 
all of them imagining what a season seven would be. And it's like, it's basically how each character sees community. Yeah. And Ken Jeong, who's Chang, is nuts. So, so he sees it fairly normally, except there's an animated character called Ice Cube Head just sitting there. And it's, the, and it's uh, Justin Roiland doing the voice. He's doing Morty as Ice Cube Head. Oh, that's cool. Because Keen Pe- um, Keen Peel. Uh, Rick and Morty is already running at that point. Right. And uh, Ben lost his mind. Yeah. <laughs> that one. Yeah, so we're getting more Rick and Morty. I uh, mean, I, mean all, I welcome smart stuff from anyone talented all the time. Yeah. Like, um, now that Kimmy Schmidt is over, I want Tina Fey to do something Oh, that new. show's over? Over? Yeah, the, um, the last season just came out. That was another one we did, and it was the end. It had, it was had a finale. Was it deliberate? Yeah. Okay. It wasn't like they got canceled and they didn't get to finish what they wanted to do. Um, they may have gotten canceled, but right. they created a final episode. Oh, they they good. knew going in that this was this it. was it. Okay. It wasn't going to be a cliffhanger. Um, the other thing about speaking about Netflix canceling something, it's announced officially all the Marvel shows are dead on Netflix. Yeah, it's they weird canceled that... Punisher and Jessica Jones this week. Yeah, I heard they got canceled this week, and I was like, yeah, but we knew that. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, I not guess officially. Yeah, we knew that Daredevil was canceled and Luke Cage was canceled and Iron Fist. But was if canceled. you're canceling Daredevil and Luke Cage, and those are like your two big shows, why would Punisher and Jessica Jones right. continue? Well, they didn't you announce know? it because the second season of Punisher wasn't out yet, right. and I watched the second season of Punisher, and it was terrible. Oh. I've heard a lot of people like it. I didn't. I watched the first episode and I was like, nah, I'm okay. Yeah, I never it, went back to it. Second season was, I really liked that first season. But yeah, and there is a clause in the contract with Netflix that they are not allowed to use, Marvel is not allowed to use any of these characters for two years. That's fine. So we're not going to get like, we're not going to get season three of Punisher on the Disney Plus. Yeah, uh, they'll time. reboot it. You know what I mean? We're not, we're not going to get whoever yeah. played all those characters. Those people aren't coming back to play those characters when they inevitably bring the defenders back and they use the Punisher and something else, you know? Right. And that, yeah, because as much as they wanted us to believe that it was all one universe, it really wasn't. I mean, there they were. They tried. There were little Easter eggs and nods to be like, oh, Avengers happened in Daredevil's world. But there wasn't, it was never reciprocated. Like yeah. there was nothing in the movies that ever said, and there's a blind guy running around. Right. You know, or like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. would have Sif or Nick Fury show up and but uh the movies we're, we're are only never getting, gonna we're only getting colson and, yeah we're only getting colson and captain marvel because it's before he died as far as the movies are concerned colson is still dead yeah like they don't they don't mention that they brought him back in agents of shield because they don't have to yeah and it's like ghost rider appears on agents of shield because they're not gonna make another ghost rider movie right they and mean, i think that's the thing it's like uh the, there's no reciprocation because it's like the movies aren't uh movie audiences aren't watching agents of shield right you know what i mean it's like so say you put punisher in the third spider-man movie yeah he doesn't have to be john Bernthal. yeah totally a different guy make him a villain like he was and then you know do with him as you will after yeah. that yeah, so there. Um, Speaking of movies, let us touch on some real quick. I'm gonna maybe list a little late to the party on this because this came out uh, maybe like two or three weeks ago. Have you seen everyone's like losing their mind about Will Smith as the genie because he's blue in the yeah, Aladdin? Yeah, he looks weird. I didn't even watch the whole trailer because I have not been terribly impressed with the live action remakes of their animated movies. Yeah, like Jungle Book was fine. Yeah, I saw it when it came on Netflix, but I never thought about it ever again. Right, and then. Uh, was Beauty and the Beast theirs, or was it a different version? Of I think Beauty it was. Beast? I think it was theirs. Yeah, didn't really. I care didn't even and, watch it, and I love that girl. Uh, that's whoever Hermione, Hermione plays yeah. a beauty, I guess. And uh, in everything, as, as far as you're concerned, yeah, in real life too. You know, anything. I she just does. Find, yeah, my at my age, it's weird because I was a full adult when that first Harry Potter came out. Yeah, and she's like ten. I'm like, eh. yeah. I think I was I had like, a hard time with Natalie Portman for a while because I had the professional in my head, right? Um, yeah, I guess it's, I'm like ground zero for like Disney animated movies. Like my yeah. generation grew up with that stuff. So I'm like, yeah, they're good movies. Like re- make them all live. Lion King, all that stuff sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everyone like lost their mind cause the Will Smith was blue. And I'm like, did you guys think he wasn't going to be blue? Yeah. I saw a lot of memes of like every blue character. They were like, yeah. And here's Mystique and here's Avatar. Yeah. And here's Nightcrawler. I don't know. I think it's like maybe the graphics I think aren't he, finished. I think he looked goofy. Yeah. But, and I think that's what people are responding to. But he's also 
recreating a role originated by Robin Williams. Yeah, it's... Uh, so he's gonna be goofy. Right, it, yeah. It's gonna be tricky to do it. I'm excited. I don't know. Everyone's, like, losing their mind. They're like, it looks terrible. It's a fuck Disney. And I'm like, eh. I have <laughs> let them no, let no, make it. Who cares? I have no stakes in a live-action Aladdin. Yeah, I don't have any stakes in it. I'm interested to see I don't see know it. that I've seen the animated one more than twice. Uh, I've, I'm for sure, I've for sure seen it more than twice, but I can't tell you. I probably haven't seen it in 15 or 20 years. Yeah. Um, I also don't worship at Disney. Yeah, there's the a, lot a lot of, of well, do. that's the thing. It's like, uh, just like I'm a big, like, oh, Marvel. Yeah, it's awesome that there's the same people for Disney and Harry Potter yeah. and everything else. Yeah, um, and Marvel, I was already like that before Disney bought them. Yeah, I guess it's because it's like, I don't, I don't care enough about it for it to bother me. I'm. I was confused why it bothered so many people, but I think it would be like, it's the same way why I get mad because, um, uh, you know, Zack Snyder sucks <laughs> as a director, and they keep giving him DC movies. To well, make. not anymore. Yeah, thank God. Well, and in fact, I think we we mentioned this before, but James Gunn basically said that he's going to reboot. Yeah, Suicide Squad, which is fine. You so, know, and they said they. Uh, yeah, I think we're not even going to see Margot Robbie as Harley in anything because they they've also canceled all of the Jared Leto Joker movies. That's which, a good choice. Included he Joker sucked. and Harley. Yeah, uh, and you know what? I, I'm gonna. I, I I could be mistaken, but I think jo- uh, Joaquin Phoenix is going to suck as the Joker. I don't know. I think that movie's going to be interesting. Yeah. I I don't know that. He, I feel like he's going to be a Joker that's not fully Joker yet. So I don't think the I don't think the comparison will be apt because it's a Joker origin movie. So I think he's not going to be full on Joker for the whole thing. Yeah, I think Todd Phillips is an interesting director, and what I've seen Who, what has intrigued Todd Phillips me. Done? I don't know anything about um, him. He's he's done he's done a lot of comedy. He did he did The Hangover. He did Old School, um, and they're all well made movies. Yeah. Okay. So I think he's trying to make that turn that Adam McKay has made. Sure. Because Adam McKay now makes movies about modern politics, where and that's the guy who did Step Brothers. You know, that's an interesting transition. Yeah, so I think I, I I am firmly of the belief that if you can do comedy, you can do anything. Um, yeah, I think um, comedy is probably one of the hardest things to do. We yeah. talk about it all the time. Well, as we just said with Jordan Peele, it's yeah, like he's he's a master at horror because one of the reasons is he's so good at comedy. Yeah, writing comedy I find extraordinarily difficult. And I think he said it, and it's been said before, but I'm going to give him credit. But he said. There's not much difference between horror and comedy. The only difference is the reaction you're getting from the audience because it's still kind of that delayed surprise. It's oh, just right. it, one's funny and one's scary. Yeah. yeah but it it's still sense, that uh, kind of you expect one thing to happen and then something else happens. Mm-hmm. And what the difference is, is what the something else that happens is. is. That's interesting. Who yeah. said this? I think Jordan Peele said it. Yeah. When he was making Get Out. Get Out is really good. Yeah. It's always frustrating with these guys uh, who are like multi-talented and can do all this stuff. It's like um, Donald Glover is like this where it's like guy can act. He's super funny. He's a talented musician. You're like, fuck, this guy's so talented. He was a writer on 30 Rock. Yeah, that's what I mean. He's he, like a super funny, wrote, smart dude. He wrote Werewolf Bar Mitzvah. That'll <laughs> <laughs> never not be funny. It'll never not be funny. Yeah. In fact, um, in fact, you, I think it's on Spotify because we once asked Alexa for Werewolf Bar Mitzvah, oh. and it played it for three minutes. Wow! And Donald, and it was it's a duet between Donald Glover and Tracy Morgan. Yeah, so he's on it. That's great because he was always a rapper. Yeah, and uh, in fact, the story was that. Um, I almost met him because we had booked him on our show yeah. and when he was a writer on 30 Rock. And then he, uh, Tina Fey said, you're too talented to be a writer. And then he quit. He quit, moved out to Hollywood, and immediately got Community. Yeah. And then he leaves Community before the end because he's blowing up. He left Community before it ended? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's not in the final season. Yeah. Uh, It'd be hard to watch without him. He's like, uh, They know. manage it pretty well. They bring... Community, I I would recommend you binge watch Community because as many people as they lose, they keep bringing on good people. Yeah, but they brought on that one asshole. Who? The guy. uh, uh, Chevy Chase? Yeah, Chevy Chase. Yeah, but they lose him before they lose Donald Glover. Okay. Yeah. And they, uh, it's not really a spoiler because it's a sitcom, but they lose him and then three episodes later they go, oh yeah, he's dead now. Oh, they yeah. they don't even go back to him. That's they're great. like they're like I just got a call that he's dead. Yeah, that's good because they hated him. But yeah. they bring on like there's a lot of like side players like John Oliver is on it for a while. Jonathan Banks, oh, yes, Patrick like Brewster. Yeah, he's really funny on it. It's like bef- it's like in be- for him it's but in between f- Daily Show and his HBO show. Yeah, well, I think where 
I think there were a few years where he was going to be an actor. Oh, um, that's interesting. The last season has Paget Brewster and Keith David, who are both really good. It's it's a really good show. Yeah, like if you like Rick and Morty, there is a lot to like in Community. Yeah, I think that's like it's, that's a lot more accessible than say, um, because it's a comedy, right? You don't have to pay as yeah. much attention to it. It's like that's a lot an easier show for me to binge than say go back and try to watch Next Generation or go back and yeah. start Battlestar Galactica all over. The thing I always think about with Community is that uh, the reason I don't like The Big Bang Theory. And I never have is that it's it. The Big Bang Theory feels to me like a bunch of cool kids trying to act like nerds. Yeah. And what community is, is a bunch of nerds trying to act like cool kids. Right. Because they hire like they hire really good looking people. Yeah. And we'll be like, oh, and uh, my basically my avatar is Joel McHale and Allison Brie and and uh, Gillian Jacobs. Uh, but everything they say is nerdy and darky and awkward because right, yeah. they can't because es- the writers can't escape that in their soul. Yeah, I guess, and that's, that's what it- makes it a much more interesting movie. Yeah, I think uh, Big Bang Theory is like uh, no, I don't think any nerds are actually watching that show. And I, like nerds is like a dumb word to use, but yeah. you know what I mean. It seems like that's such a mainstream show. Let me ask you this question. Yeah, out of all the people that come up to you and i know there have been many yeah and many have come up to me and out of all the people who say you're just like the big bang theory do any of them have good senses of humor no oh i would say a lot of them i, I don't know them because a lot of that stuff happened at like the store yeah. somebody come into the store that i'd never seen before and be like oh it's just like the big bang theory in here and i'm like uh, yeah uh, sure <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever i have to say to get you to leave as quickly as possible but nobody nobody ever says you know what i really like the big bang theory and preston sturgis yeah no, no, they never have it's a very shallow pool yeah of comedy it's like it's like people that are mad that mike and molly isn't still on i don't even know what that is oh uh, that was happily that was a show with um oh god mccarthy jenny mccarthy no Oh, I don't know any other God damn it, I'm totally blanking on it. Um, now I sound really stupid. Nah, it's okay. <laughs> we cover our bases with the uh, the other stuff. No, the, the the woman from Bridesmaids and the female Ghostbusters. And... Oh, uh, that's not Jenny McCarthy? No, she's Jenny McCarthy's cousin. And now I'm looking at They're it cousins? Yes. Good for them. Chris Hardwick had a story that... Um, hang on, I gotta look this up because it's... I can't believe Melissa that. McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. Yes! Thank you. Nailed it. You know who loves Melissa McCarthy? The world. My mom. She loves her. Okay. <laughs> She's but she such had a fan. she had a sitcom that she had a sitcom called Mike and Molly that was like her and a guy they were married. Yeah. And like once her once her movie career took off, that was the end of Mike and Molly. Yeah. And it was very much a CBS kind of show. Chris Hardwick used to tell a story on his podcast that because he had that game show with Jenny McCarthy called Singled Out in the 90s on MTV. And he said Melissa was her assistant. Mm -hmm. And he would talk to her and he'd be like, why aren't you a star? You're hilarious. She's like, I don't know. And you never know. She's a heavier girl, right? Yeah. That's why. That's why, but it took her like another 15 years and now she's the biggest... Yeah, now, now she, she's, she's like, the biggest woman in comedy, right? You know, uh, and not and not like uh, no, yeah, not like as like a no. But you're I not making she, a joke, right? No, I'm <laughs> not, not making that kind of. She's very popular. Yeah, in comedy, she, and she's very good. Yeah, she's hilarious. Um, uh, that's the other thing. I I never saw that Ghostbusters movie. You didn't. No. We did a whole podcast. I know. You didn't it was one of those shows where it's like I, I didn't tell came, this. Tell me I how good it is. Came with me. No, I didn't. Yeah. And I really wanted to because I'm. Uh, it's pretty it good. It looks awesome. They're not making a sequel, but no. I just thought they well, are making sequel to the original Ghostbusters. They're rebooting the. Yeah, they're making a sequel to the original Ghostbusters, which means they're not making a sequel to the female Ghostbusters. Correct. I thought it was okay because all four of those women are really funny. Yeah, they're hilarious. The so, one girl who like live tweets the reaction of the Avengers, Leslie Jones. Yeah, yeah, that was. <laughs> it's pretty like, incredible. Uh, does she have a Golden Globe or whatever they give funny people on television? An she Emmy? should get one. Yeah, uh, she should yeah, get an Emmy. She's still on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. I saw her... What did I just watch on Saturday Night Live? I don't know. I think I only watched like, the Weekend Update skits because I like those two dudes. I've been watching a lot of it. Uh, Hulu puts it on Sunday mornings. And we usually record the podcast on Sunday mornings, so you usually walk in. Yeah, that's where I'm watching I'm Weekend it. Update. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Weekend Update's my jam. Uh, so another thing we wanted to talk about today is that they're... Uh, uh, Marvel is doing this War of the Realms uh, event coming up. All the yes, events, there has, are starting there's to come been out. some comic news. Which, yeah, uh, and 
Granted, we haven't gotten to in 35 minutes because that's the world we live in. No, it's like uh, if you're list- <laughs> if you're listening to this show, you're used to our typical brand of meandering around the topic. But uh, I've been really excited about War of the Realms. They've been building it up in Thor for like the last five years. And this is Jason Aaron doing it? Jason Aaron's yeah. like my current favorite uh, writer in comics right now. And um, the uh, he now took over Avengers, and that's going to tie in heavily to it. So I was like super duper excited for this, um, probably more than any crossover since Secret Wars uh, with Hickman and Infinity was great, and everything else was not so awesome. But... This I was super excited about, and then these dopes are like, oh, we're gonna put it. It's literally just gonna be in every title. It's gonna, it's like gonna, mm. it's like uh, what do you say, like one hundred and twenty-five dollars? Yeah, the thing is said to read all the tie-ins, it's gonna cost you one hundred and twenty-five bucks. There was an yeah. article this week, and two things about it. First of I all, mean, that's the that's the cost of an omnibus. Yeah, yeah, not on sale, which, yeah, you know. No, so if you took all of these tie-ins and made an omnibus out of it, it would be the same price. Yeah, which is fucked up. Uh, two two things I'll say about that. First of all is tie-ins to events. If you're one of these people that's like, I've got to read every tie-in, you're insane. Because uh, they're mostly shit, you know? They're, well, they don't do anything. It's all... Right. I, I Most of the tie-ins go um hey this is this this is how this character is dealing with the central premise but they're not interacting with the plot i it's like it's i always go back to onslaught which was not a great crossover right but um onslaught was onslaught was like really showed the cracks in marvel in the mid 90s like they had just done too many of these things and they did what DC would eventually copy with Flashpoint of like, oh, at the end, this actually changes the entire universe. Yeah. In a way that was not foreshadowed at all. But the tie-ins to that were the most useless tie-ins because Onslaught takes over all of the Sentinels and the Sentinels just like swarm all over New York. And then the main story is like, how do we stop Onslaught? And Onslaught's like captured magneto professor x and franklin richards and it's like how do we how do we free them and because it's franklin richards fantastic four are involved and the avengers are involved um but all of the tie-ins were just like ghost rider has to fight a sentinel yeah and that's what most of these tie-ins are it's been so long since a tie-in affected the plot that when it did happen which was um infinite crisis was there uh there was a wonder woman tie-in where the whole plot revolved around this one tie-in. It was like during the OMAC project. Yeah. And she kills Maxwell Lord. Right. Um, it Nobody was expecting that because they were waiting for the main title and everybody's like, wait, what the hell? And yeah. then the book sold out. And I think that was the biggest thing that happened in that It was the biggest thing that happened thing. and it happened in a tie-in and people yeah. got so angry because they weren't forewarned to buy this tie-in. Yeah. That that just shows the philosophy of like, you're not supposed to buy all of these things. Yeah. And then that goes to my second point about these tie-ins is that it's like, here this, this should be the rule for tie-ins. Do the tie-in, like if you're writing Daredevil and Marvel says, we're going to do this big war of the realms where all the Asgardian realms are going to invade New York. There is a Daredevil story there to be told. You should try to work that into your ongoing story. It's part of the gig. You're writing comics. It's right. a shared universe. You kind of it's your homework to make it work. Don't be too precious about your own self indulgent stories that you can't be flexible to what the bigger events well, are going to be. And that's part of the business, right? But they shouldn't force this crap down your throat. No, but if what you're I- a character and you're writing a book like West Coast Avengers and the uh, War of the Realms is taking place in New York. You're on the West Coast in LA. Don't worry about it. Do yeah. your own book. Or if you're writing Guardians of the Galaxy and you're out in space, don't worry about tying into this fucking thing because it's like, why on earth would you be if you're not on Earth? Well, and then in the last 10 years, the tie-ins haven't really been in the main titles. It's always been, here's a Spider-Man special that's right. the War of Realms tie-in. And I go, great, not Don't have buying to read it. it. Which, that's the thing. which also means my next issue of Amazing Spider-Man isn't confusing to me if I'm not reading your event. Yeah, and I think it's like there's a way to have the main book be the tie-in title for that month without confusing the uh, reader, right? It's like Spider-Man isn't going to fight a bunch of Asgardians, right? Except maybe he's in the main book as like a secondary character. In his title, it's like, oh my God, all this Asgardian stuff. And it's like, to read this, go read War of the Realms. Like, 
weird shit should happen that the heroes don't know what all the what it was all about, and that should be okay for the reader too. My right? favorite, my favorite tie-in they ever did was not a crossover, um, but it's going back to like eighty four, eighty five. It's during the Walt Simonson run of Thor. Yeah. Where they destroyed the casket of ancient winters. Yeah. And then it was like winter covered the whole planet. The whole planet. It was not a crossover, but every Marvel book that month that took place in New York, they went, oh, it's snowing. And that was it. Yeah. And there was an asterisk going, you want to know why it's snowing in the summer? Read Thor. And as a kid, I I particularly remember the Spider-Man issue because it's the issue he lost the black costume. Yeah. And then Johnny puts in the Fantastic Four suit with a bag over his head. And he's like, he's like all mad. He's like, I'm wearing a bag over my head in a Fantastic Four. And, I said, and it's snowing. Yeah. And and then there was an asterisk that was like, do you want to know what's snowing? Read Thor. And, I, and as a kid, I was like, yeah, I don't really care. Right. And that's what I think. It's like, that's the perfect way to do it, where it's like, you don't need to know. But if it's, it's the whole point of the shared universe. Yeah. And it's like, if that's a special of Spider-Man or it's a miniseries because they got to get six issues because they're assholes, that's the kind of shit that bothers me. You well, know? I was rereading... Um, I've been rereading early 90s X-Men because, uh, first of all, since last week's episode, now that the merger between Fox and Disney is happening, the first thing they did at Toy Fair was like, hey, there's 50 X-Men this year for Marvel Legends. Yeah. It's like, we we made every single X-Man this yeah. year. <laughs> which is a daunting task. You yeah. Know? I just ordered Professor X, which is shipping. Yeah, and it's gold wheels. It you know, it's like he makes a, he gets a, a hovering um, wheelchair or whatever it yeah. is. Oh, like a hover chair, and yeah. that's good. He should have one because he's going to go on adventures with him. But did he have to paint it gold? You know, it's kind of ostentatious. I think it showed up gold. Well, in the book, where did he get it from? Shear. Yeah, and they just he's like, here's a gold hover. And the chair. book Lalandria is like, here's what we use on our planet, and it was yeah. already gold. And he's like, all right, all right. I didn't think it was gold. I thought it was X Men yellow. I thought that was like it was, it like was branded. Uniform. Yeah, it was yeah. like the same yellow that like Cyclops and Jean Grey and, and Rogue have. Oh, I thought because it was metal. If it's metal, it's yellow. It's gold. I never saw. I never saw like anyone put like uh, highlighted shines, shines on it. On it. Yeah. So I thought it was like the same yellow as Wolverine's tiger stripe outfit, which is when they put him back. But I was reading. Um, I had like a really. Uh, I had the kind of week where like my brain is mush by the time I get on the train, and I'm like, I want eye candy. Yeah, and. So I've been reading early 90s X-Men because that's it's on my mind because all of these Marvel Legends figures are coming out. That's the era. That's the most popular era for X-Men in terms of sales. And it's mostly it was well driven by the image artist, but then really driven by the animated series. That's what most people now identify that that era with the Fox Kids cartoon. Yeah, for sure. More than those comics. And visually, those are the most iconic. And yeah, I will say I am not a great fan of 90s comic books. However, I do have both of those Claremont Jim Lee omnibuses they did. Yeah. And it's like it's like uh it's like you said before we start recording. It's like candy flipping through these yeah. pages. It's like they're so colorful and it's like this like ridiculous action shots all the time. It's like it's like candy where it's like just like candy, there's nothing to it. It's like it, it's not um there's no meat and potatoes to it, you know? And, it, and it's, it's not good for you. <laughs> it's so weird. I quit X-Men around the Sylvester run when they're, like, in Australia. Yeah, it was like, a weird time. It was weird. I was just like, I've had enough. DC was more interesting. And then I came back. I came back after Image had started. So, Jim like, Lee all left. those guys had left. And it was, like, John Romita Jr. and the Kubert brothers. And um, I got into that era. But X-Men is so weird because it's... I guess all 90s comics are like this, but X-Men in particular is one of the few books that got less sophisticated as it went on. Yeah. Because if you pull out a, a Claremont Byrne story, and then you pull out a Claremont Lee story, it's, it's like, like night and day. It's like gone from a book for 20-year-olds to a book for 11-year-olds, and I pity the people that never quit and were reading it issue, issue, issue. Yeah. There must have been a lot of fans who were like, what the fuck happened? This used to be Days of Future Past. That's And that's the thing I think it's like, that's like astonishing about that book is that it's like, we had Death, uh, Dark Astonishing Phoenix X-Men Saga. was a good book. That was, I enjoyed it. Uh, Dark Phoenix Saga, Days of Future Past, and then it's like, here's Omega Red. And it's yeah. like, what? And I, I'm all about like tiny little stories and it just seems like everyone's so always trying to do these big, crazy epic things and it's like you know every once in a while they can't just fight like a russian guy but it's like make it you know put put, put some story in it you yeah. know he just can't be a guy who makes little carbonite eels out of his hands or whatever he does i, I never understood that character but i well, he's like a russian super soldier right yeah, I don't 
Put that dude on the winter guard. What are they waiting for? Have him fight Captain America. Yeah. But I was reading the Executioner song, which was the, Uh, that was the story that brought me back into X-Men because people are like, X-Men is great now. And I'm like, I haven't read X-Men in five years. And uh, it was the storyline that came out right before the animated series premiered. Yeah. So it was, and it was all about Cable and Strife. And I I picked up those issues. I, I, it's candy. Yeah. Um, But, but I read that first issue going like, who's Cable? Who's Gambit? Yeah. Who's Jubilee? Like there were who's Bishop? There were all these characters I didn't know who they were. Yeah, and it kind of got me back into it. But I was reading Peter David wrote the X Factor issues. Yeah, and he was doing what you were suggesting. He was trying to take this big, crazy, dumb crossover with just jumping and running and jumping and jumping and screaming, and he was trying to keep his subplots going. Yeah, and reading it now, it's like twenty five years later. Uh. What he did was like, all right, I'm splitting the team in half. This half of the team is going on the crossover, but I'm I get eight pages to keep my story going. Going, yeah. So like, multiple man wasn't really part of it, and I think Wolfsbane wasn't really part of it, and they were following their subplot. And reading it now, I'm like reading this crossover, and then I'm like, wait, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, yeah, like multiple man's watching somebody in a hospital. Who is that guy? Yeah, and it was just him going like. If you're reading me monthly, I'm going to keep that going. My stuff, right. But now that we live in this graphic novel world, I'm just like, I don't I don't even care. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's the most jarring thing was the least jarring thing if you were reading it monthly. I think it, that's – and that kind of becomes the problem of this stuff is that it's uh, collecting this stuff for graphic novels and trying to tell like a longer run in your – in your run on comics, if you're doing 50, 60 issues or what, you know, Peter David's on a book, you know, while children are growing up and it's like, you kind of lose uh, the ability to collect your stuff. If it's not in this massive volume, you're not going to read the the entire run, you know, but then like uh, Claremont did that shit for years. He just yeah. have plot lines and plot lines that go fucking nowhere and go on for years. And that's the tough thing. Now, when you go back and you're like, I want to read this whole run. Yeah. Like I want to read the Peter David run of Hulk. It's like yeah. 12 years long he was on hulk as long as claremont was on x-men yeah it's bananas but it's like every 10 issues or so you're like wait what the fuck is this oh it's a crossover and like right now you're trying to read his run monthly while he's getting distracted having to tie in all the nonsense yeah and that and there's there's like no way to win that's why it says like limit the tie-ins uh 125 dollars to read an event Marvel, shame on you. <laughs> you're you're idiots. And anyone who's buying all those tie-ins, you're an idiot because it's like um, most of that stuff you should know by now if you've been reading comics for 6 months, you should kind of have an idea that this is it's a it's a fucking gimmick, you know? Yeah. It's like uh I'm a big believer, you know, I read the uh, crossovers every year. I like the big events. I like yeah, all the guys team up to go fight the big thing. I like that. They're generally not good, but uh I give it a shot every year and some of them are great and some of them suck um i never get bogged down in reading all these like tie-ins it's just like who cares what bishop is doing during you know this particular thing is if that's your favorite character awesome you've got more content for bishop but it's like you know i don't have to i'm not gonna read all this and most of those times because they can't influence the main plot there's Nothing really happens in their story. It's like, oh, I have to fight these guys. Oh, I've beaten these guys, but it doesn't matter because the war keeps going. Right. That's most of those times. Well, talking about limiting things, and uh, there's a rumor out now that DC is slashing their titles. The um, Bleeding Cool has been reporting on this, and the uh, the hashtag for this story has been the new 22 because DC is cutting way down. Yeah, it's like they're having their content. Right, and they're having an event right now, which is uh, Heroes in Crisis, which is Tom King's. And um, I'm. it's one of those where it's like, I want to read this as a graphic novel. And I'm grateful that it's not tying in anything, because Tom King's writing Batman and I'm reading that. I don't want to read three Heroes in Crisis tie-ins of Batman, right. even though it's the same writer. Yeah. I want to read Heroes in Crisis. I don't want to read it now. But DC, DC has not been doing well. This is what while. I was actually going to say. So uh, having your comics, which would be a good move if it is planned to be such, 
right? It's like, hey, we need we want to focus our energies, limit the amount of books we're putting out, so we're putting out more quality books over quantity books. But it's like it comes right on the heels of them doing all those layoffs, and it's like they moved across oh, it, country it, it, a couple years ago, and it's, it's like, definitely a cost cutting measure. Are they yeah. having like a lot of financial difficulties? Like, I think it all comes down to. I mean, we also have Mattel giving up the DC license right. and McFarlane taking it over, and um, say what you will about McFarlane, but. He's a much smaller company than Mattel. Yeah. So he definitely didn't pay as much. Um, I think it all comes down to these movies not working because that's the biggest money-making driver. The, yeah, I mean, we, we've, we've talked got, about We've got before. more titles from Marvel than maybe ever since the 90s. Yeah. I mean, there's there's like 15 Spider-Man titles right now. They're we, insane. Uh, but those movies are making billions of dollars, so right. that's driving everything. DC has had Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Uh, over the last five, eight years, seven years, because Dark Knight Rises, every movie since Dark Knight Rises has been a tie-in, and even between Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, you had Green Lantern bombing. Yeah, but uh, movies like Batman vs Superman and uh, Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad made money. Man of Steel, uh, but Man of didn't make as much as Man of Steel Justice and Justice League. Justice League was their Avengers. Everything was building up to that. It didn't work. Yeah, I think you're seeing. You're seeing like the discount aisle of corporate DC because Justice League didn't make money. Yeah. So it's like, oh, these things aren't pulling in what we expected them to. Mm-hmm. All right, we're not going to give us, we're not going to give them as much money then. Right. You know. Um. And I think Mattel voluntarily gave it up. Mattel's had a rough, rough couple of years. Toys R Us, um, punched Mattel right in the face, and I think. Their contract was up, and Warner Brothers was like, it's going to cost you this much because we need the money. Right. And Mattel's like, we can't afford that for what we're going to get back. Yeah. Because we put out all the Justice League toys. And you know what? You can still find Suicide Squad toys at Target. Yeah. So I think it's trickling down to everything that's DC product. Um, Maybe it was Jeff Johns or somebody had said this line. They said something like, the comics are basically um, like market research now. Yeah. They Warner Brothers looks at DC Comics as like, here's market research. You oh, they've know? been doing that for years. I think Denny O'Neill even said it. I think it goes back that far oh, ever wow. since the Tim Burton Batman. But you know what? I don't even hear people talking about Batman anymore. When people talk about Tom King's Batman, which is the only Batman they talk about, yeah. um, they talk about it like they talked about Mr. Miracle as a critical darling. I don't know. The say like people love Mr. Miracle. It won the Eisner. Deserved it. It's a great book. Yeah, but DC put out a trade. No, I think they, they didn't even do a hardcover. I think they for that did book. do a hardcover. No, they didn't oh. because people are asking Mitch Gerards on Twitter all the time. Wow, where's the hardcover? And they're like, eh, it's not up to us. But the trade's out. You can read the whole trade. Yeah, like DC, that was their best word of mouth title of all of 2018. Yeah, and they didn't feel like it was. It was the book of 2018. They didn't feel like it was worth charging ten dollars more for their hardcover. That's crazy. So there's, so I think there's a bargain basement feel at DC right now. Wow, and it's trickling down to all their products, and now it's trickling down to the comics. Where I would not be surprised that they slash the amount of titles because who's buying them? Right. I mean, the secondary titles have always been a sticking point. Um, As a longtime comics fan, I love going. Hey, Amazing Spider-Man is out today, and it was out in 1961, and I can follow that thread all the way through. Where I get confused as a collector is like, oh, and then crossovers being the bane of this existence. They're like, I'm reading Amazing, I'm reading Amazing, I'm reading Amazing. Oh, now I've got to read Web, now I've got to read this special, now I've got to read Spider-Man, now I've got to read this crossover, and it's all these titles that are alive for a couple of years and go away. Yeah. Like they canceled Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man so they could relaunch Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. And I don't see what the difference between those two titles are. Yeah. I mean, new creative team. Just a new number one. Yeah, that's all it is. You know? There's no there's no legacy to those titles at all. And that's most of what Marvel and DC produces. You know, most of Marvel and DC is like a, th- a third title about peter parker oh and spider gwen gets her own title yeah. and silk gets well her you own see title. it every couple and you know years they're not going to be here in five years every couple years marvel always tries to do the legacy numbering on their titles yeah and then it goes away after like a couple months and then it comes back for a while and then they get rid of it and i think they've gotten rid of it again but i think uh they're only using it for the anniversaries now 
right and they'll they'll hit like it'll be like avengers like 23 but it'll be like avengers 600 and it's like yeah. eh, is it though yeah <laughs> well, you know are you counting west coast avengers and new avengers and secret avengers and or what they did with the spider-man titles was like they started it at 690 yeah oh, so you have 10 issues of the original numbering then you have a couple of issues for the anniversary issue now it's a new number one because i guess anniversary issues sell as well as number ones yeah so it's all about it's all about short-term spikes and that's I, we've talked about that a lot on the show, but there is a serious conflict between um, longtime fans who want something to be consistent month in, month out, month in, month out, and the companies that need these sales spikes. Yeah. And you know what? They will throw the numbering out the window, and they will sell you a $10 comic, which DC has done to us. Right. I you mean, know, it's this gimmicky stuff of we have to do... <laughs> You know, the events, we have to do foil covers and variants. We've got to do number ones. It's like, you and, know. And all I want, I mean, all I want is just the one title. I w- we're never going to go back to that those days. But one of the things I love about the Silver Age is that you had one character, one title. Yeah. Captain America was in Captain America. Right. And he could be on the Avengers. Sure. But it didn't change the story in Captain America. And you could check in with that guy once a month and yeah. know what he was up to. But, and we're never going to live in that world again. The greatest thing in the world. This week. So I know like the greatest thing in the world is supposed to be like, here's a thing we can recommend that you can go uh, read, you know, or watch or whatever it is. And this is kind of that, but I've recommended this like a thousand times. But uh I I'm finishing up the Squadron Supreme Omnibus, which don't ask me why. The Mark Grunwald one from the eighties. Yeah, it's I mean it's got a lot more because it's a lot of like there's some Quasar issues in there. There's the mini series from the eighties. There's it, there's crossovers. Yeah, there's the uh the original appearances in the original Avengers, and then later at, towards the end of the book they have the Squadron Supreme shows up at the beginning of Kurt Busiek's and George Perez's Avengers run which is like my favorite run of yeah. comic books of all time that's on sale right now on Comixology oh good then you should go uh, listeners go there and purchase it it's uh, I, it's I, phenomenal I think it's five dollars a volume there's like four six volumes for the entire series yeah I get it it's you worth have, reading you could have the whole run for like 30 bucks uh, but I was re- uh, reading those issues and I've probably read those issues like a hundred times and uh I don't know if this is my single favorite page in comic books of all time, but it might be. And they're they're the Avengers go to uh, a plane crash in the ocean, and it's like the the plane is like uh, floating on the ocean, and they're going to the rescue the folks uh, off the plane. And they get there, and then the Squadron Supreme shows up, and they're like, "You're not the Avengers," because onslaught just happened in comic books, you know. But there's this panel. It's a it's a uh, one page in in particular where. Iron Man's flying from the right side of the page at the top to the left side of the page. Uh, it's not a panel. It's just like the, it's the page. Mm-hmm. And then Power it's Princess. It's kind of like a splash because there's there's three vertical panels at the bottom, maybe halfway up the page in okay. the middle. He flies across the top of the page. She punches him. So he goes down into the ocean and he drops down to the bottom of the page. And then because you, you see like the energy that goes across for his like boot streams. She punches him, he goes down. Then there's three panels of Iron Man underwater, and he's, um, it's like, oh, that, she hit me really hard, and, uh, oh, my eye, eye slits closed just as soon as I hit the water, so I didn't get drowned or whatever. Yeah, those are the days where Iron Man had holes in his helmet. Yeah, which is a cool look. Um, and then on the other side of the page is, um, Hawkeye, who, at the same time Iron Man flew across and got punched by Power Princess, Hawkeye had shot an arrow that the wizard grabbed and it had a rope on it, and he had dragged Hawkeye across the, the bottom part of that panel. He hits a boat. He falls into the water. The three panels of Iron Man reacting while he's underwater, he flies up to grab Hawkeye, and it's like, it's really hard to explain, and if we can, we'll try to put it on uh, the Facebook or whatever, or attach it to this. But it's like, George Press is a fucking storytelling genius. And this page, every time I read this issue, I, I halt at this page and I'm like, the amount of time for this guy to figure out how to do all this stuff. I only say this as like the 62 pages of my comic that I did. It's like a hard thing to do. This guy's a fucking genius. <laughs> and it's like, he retired this year. He's a really great artist. This is a super fun run. You don't have to know all this crazy shit about comic books to enjoy it. Kurt Busiek does a good job of just kind of dropping you into fun Avengers stories. 
and it's like um it's peak avengers for me is this this kind of shit so your greatest thing in the world is one page yeah <laughs> yeah it's one page in like issue four of kirk ucx avengers run uh yeah uh you just showed it to me because i have the hard covers of uh boozy x avengers run which i really like but i'm not the avengers fan you are yeah so i, this is I the haven't book read that, them in years uh, this is the book that made me an avengers fan i was reading it in the 90s and it wasn't great and steve epting was doing the art which was very oh they're all wearing leather jackets i well, i actually kind of i have a lot of love for leather jackets and uh the black knight with a power sword like an electric lightsaber essentially oh, you mean the figure you broke yeah <laughs> yeah well my greatest thing in the world this week i've never done this before but um is actually a youtube channel uh and i'm i'm very hard on youtube channels so i've never talked about them because i feel like 90 percent of them aren't even as professional as this podcast uh, and we don't do a lot of work before this podcast. No, I, I barely know what we talk about. <laughs> I bought good equipment, and that was about the effort. Yeah. But, you know, most YouTube videos, if I see a guy's dirty room and they're looking into their computer, and I can see their screen on their glasses, yeah. and they open with, what up, guys? Hey, everybody. I turn it off. Uh, but I discovered Toy Galaxy, which has been around for a while. Uh, I was looking up. I wanted to see if Mattel ever made a television commercial for the Secret Wars toys. Okay, and they did. Oh wow! And it's like very eighties, like kids playing with them, and their dad like, oh, and there's Doctor Doom. It's really, really fun, and I totally forgot it existed. Uh, and but then the next thing was like the history of the Mattel Secret Wars toys. And Mattel Secret Wars has always been a curiosity for me because I was twelve when they came out, which is. I got into the Secret Wars comics, so I wanted all the figures, and they only made like 16 of them, and then they were gone. Yeah. And Superpowers even made 36. Yeah. You know, G.I. Joe was, and Star Wars were putting out hundreds. Hundreds of figures. So I was like, how did the Marvel Universe fail? And it always bugged me because the Migos were successful five years before. Toy Biz would be very successful five years later. There was, there was the only thing anyone put out in the 80s, which was when I was at my peak Marvel collecting and i could barely get figures so um it was dan larson hosts it it was he was well spoken he was professional he had a personality it was shot really well and i learned a lot and then i then as that ended i wasn't asleep yet because it was like <laughs> one in the morning and i was like oh he did the history of superpowers okay let's look at the history of super oh he did the history of the x-men animated series and then uh i was just watching that he did the history of star wars black and Every one of these is totally consistent. Yeah. And there's a ton of them. I, I, there's got to be like 80 videos. It's the most consistent YouTube channel I've ever seen about superhero action figures. Yeah. Um, and I kind of want to watch all of them. I know he just did coverage at Toy Fair this week. Um, so it's, I kind of feel weird about it because usually YouTubers, I'm like, eh, you know, you can get more information out of an hour of this podcast than you can out of it. 10 minute YouTube channel right. and some of them are guilty pleasures, but this one is actually really well done. Hmm. So, um, obviously you can, you could subscribe to it, but if you just do a search for toy galaxy, you'll find a ton of them and just pick the topic you're into. Um, and you'll get 10 minutes of really, really good educational material. Yeah. I just watched one about the, the rise and fall of Saturday morning cartoons. And he brought in a lot of reasoning that I hadn't considered. Yeah. Yeah, it's stuff's kind of always interesting. It's actually, a, uh, I kind of want to listen to this guy, you know? Yeah, one of the, and one of the theories he put out was, um, you know, I've read a lot of reports about how children uh, could can't really tell the difference between commercials and the shows. So there was this kind of brainwashing of Saturday morning of like, I have to get that cereal. He just told me to. And, uh, but one of the things he, he said was, and he's of my generation. He's like a Gen Xer uh, who grew up at the peak of Saturday morning cartoons and the forefront of action figures and uh, breakfast cereals. How old is he? Oh, he's a Gen Xer. Okay. Yeah, he's a Gen Xer. Yeah. Um, he doesn't say how old he is, but he's around my yeah. age. But one of the things he said is, you know, the studies showed that advertising was really working on kids. And he, he's like, he's like, and we're a pure example. They created fans for life. Everything that's in our pop culture was a Saturday morning cartoon in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. And I went, oh my God, that's my entire life. Yeah. Your uh, generation brainwashed. Yeah. I mean, uh, my generation in particular is, 
And me personally, my life revolves around Marvel and DC and Star Wars and Indiana Jones and it, it, all of those things that were indoctrinated into me on Saturday morning. Like I got, I would get super excited when I saw Kenner Star Wars commercial. Yeah, and imme- my knee jerk reaction was, I don't have that yet. Or if it was a commercial for something I had, I felt patriotic pride when I was eight, nine years old. Yeah. And yeah, that did lifelong fucking damage. Because <laughs> yeah. here we are six years in this podcast. I'm in my mid-40s. And yesterday, Boskin IG-88 <laughs> showed up on my goddamn house. Yeah. So um, so again, very informative YouTube channel. Um, And if you want to stay informed with us, you can follow me at Not On My Book on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, that is where I talk a lot about these toys that I am still buying. Professor X is on his way. I'm very excited. Um, or you can find out more about the show by going to our Facebook page, facebook.com. Dot com. How old <laughs> am I? Where's the fold on this website? <laughs> uh, Facebook.com slash caffeinated comics. And that is our news site where we post all of these things that are happening, whether they're stories in the news or trailers for new things. Um, sometimes pictures of things we bought and how do you stay in touch with the show and make sure you don't miss an episode steven yeah uh we are on itunes stitcher and spotify uh we're part of the radio spotify we are part of the radio misfits podcast network and um how do we follow you yeah so uh you can follow me on instagram only at the brave butter con i feel a little guilty that i don't ever post there but uh i get followers from somewhere and maybe it's from here and if that's one of you folks that's flattering and i feel guilty that i don't post more so i'll try to take more pictures i guess my instagram is pretty thin too yeah um my twitter's a lot better but uh keep that going keep following us and eventually we'll give you content really what does it do other than make your feet a little longer yeah what have you got to lose if we don't post right (laughs) but we will talk to you next week